What is an inverse and how is it useful? By the end of this episode, we'll go over a few uses for inverse, what it means, and why we might want to make something not have an inverse. My name is Eric Normand, and I help people thrive with functional programming. So inversion is a very useful algebraic property. Um, the way I like to think about it is from the real world, we often do things that we can then undo, right? So imagine if you could open a door, but you could never close it, or you could climb up a mountain, but then never come back down. The inverse captures this idea of reversibility. Okay, so basically it's a, fun it's a property of usually two functions, that the two functions are inverses of each other. One can undo the other, right? And, then, and it usually works both ways. Uh, so, you know, simple example is if I add one, so I increment a number, the inverse of that is decrement the number. It goes back to the value before. So more formally, I would say g of f of a equals a, if g and f are inverse of each other. And you can also put it the other way, f of g of a equals a. Right. So if I apply f and then I apply g, I get back to where I started with a. Okay, um, these, this is actually more common than you think. The, the main use is that you can move something into a space, a, a state space, like let's say a new type, a new structure to the thing, where the operations, the problem you're trying to solve is easier or even possible. It wasn't possible in the other space. So for instance, if I have some data structure, some nested thing, I can serialize it to JSON. So that's my operation. Now as a JSON string, that I can send over the wire, right? It goes from this in-memory representation with pointers and, and, and whatever else your language needs to hold that structure. It goes into a JSON string, which is just a linear sequence of characters. Now I can send it over the wire. That's something I couldn't do before. And now on the other side, I can do the inverse of serializing it, deserializing it, parsing it, and turn it into a data structure on the other side. Right? So I have serialize and then deserialize are inverse inverses of each other. So that's that's a really common example of something that is an inverse and a practical application. You can't serialize the data structure itself. I mean, sorry, you can't send the data structure itself over a wire, but if you choose a linear character format for it, some kind of byte format for it, you can. But then on the other side, in the byte format, there's things you can't do to it either, right? You can't act on it recursively. You have to deserialize it out of that byte format back into some in-memory representation of it. Um, some other things that I like to do, like you might think of as like boxing and unboxing. So 
if you have a native number format in your language, you could box it up and now it's treated like an object and it has methods and stuff. But then when you need to actually add it to something internally, your language is going to unbox it, add it, and then probably rebox it up, right? So boxing, unboxing is another inverse. Um, there's an interesting thing that some functions are their own inverse. So negate is like a, n negating a number is its own inverse. So if I have if I have one and I negate it, now I have negative one. I negate it again, I get back to one, right? So it's its own inverse. It's pretty cool. Um, this is an easy property to test because the formula for it, the definition of that property is so simple. So you can do a lot of property-based testing on it. And this is one that's given a lot. One is an example that's given a lot when people talk about property-based testing. This idea of testing a round trip. So you can take a value, run a function on it, take that output value, run another function, you should it should be equal to the first thing you had. It's a very common property. All right, now there's also sometimes the property is that there exists no inverse of a function. Um, so this is something like a cryptographic hash. If I have some sequence, some data, and I run a cryptographic hash on it, I have lost the ability now to get that data back out. The, the hash is lossy, and I cannot get back to where I was. And that is, a, that is the desired property of a cryptographic hash because you, th that's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for some secure identity of this data that does not actually contain the data itself. Um, okay, so I'll recap. I guess this is going to be a pretty short one because uh, I think it's a pretty, um, pretty clear uh, property and we, we, we have a notion of it already. Um, this is a, an algebraic property, usually of two, but like I said, sometimes you can have one function be its own inverse, but typically it's two functions that undo each other. Usually you can call them in either order, right? So I can start with a value, call the first function on it, then call the next function on it. And I get back to where I was with the original value. Um, some functions are their own inverse, and sometimes you want a function to not have an inverse, that it is proven or somehow tested pretty well that there is no inverse. Uh, right, so if you like this, episode and you want more, you can go to lispcast.com slash podcast. You'll see all the old episodes. Uh, every episode has video, audio, and a text transcript. Uh, you'll also find links to subscribe and how to reach me on social media. I love getting into discussions. I love talking about this stuff. So if you're so inclined, if you have something to ask, something to tell me, if I made a mistake, please let me know. Thank you so much and rock on.